1: Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of the podcast. I am your host Estée Lalonde and today we are joined by Nikki Tibbles who is the founder of first of all Wild at Heart which is a gorgeous flower shop here in London and what I'm most excited about Wild at Heart Foundation which is a foundation which helps dogs and animals all around the world.
0: All over the world. Thank Beautiful. you. So um, nice to be here. Thank you so much.
1: <laughs> it's so nice to have you. And I honestly don't really know where to begin. Um, I guess we could talk a little bit about. Well, let's just talk a little bit about your life and when you first started loving both flowers and animals.
0: Flowers and animals. Um, it's. A, I, I do feel quite blessed because flowers and dogs is quite a nice combination and my life is full of both (laughs) I remember as a child we always had dogs we had rescue dogs my father was the most amazing man who loved animals and so I grew up in a household full of hamsters guinea pigs dogs puppies cats anything and I would always go to bed and my parents would find me asleep in the morning with my dogs in their bed downstairs So my love for animals has been with me all my life.
1: Yeah, me too, I think. I had dogs growing up and I mean, how can you not love a dog? I know, but I think that
0: as a child, especially now in our society that is so, you know, sort of everyone's on their devices and Instagram and social media I think even more importantly now to have an animal and to grow up as a child with an animal in your life teaches you so many things. It teaches you about love. It teaches you to be physical. It teaches you that responsibility and to take care of and to have a relationship. But it also teaches you about loss. And I think there are so many incredible lessons we can learn growing up with an animal Mm. and For anyone who is listening to this who has children who is possibly thinking of bringing an animal into their child's life, It would literally be one of the best things you could do.
1: Oh, my gosh. You know, I didn't even think about, you know, how times have changed now and how it is maybe more important than ever to have an animal in your life. I think so. It's such a tense world we're living in these days. And um, I mean, I'm a big I'm really big into like spiritual things and, you know, energy healing and all of this stuff and whether you believe it or not the advice I do. you do I do yeah <laughs> the advice that so many of those um types of people give me is to get outside to become yeah. one with nature to go yeah. see an, a dog pet a dog and um for those people listening they know that I had my beautiful greyhound Reggie beautiful, Reggie. beautiful Reggie um he beautiful, was
0: special yeah. gorgeous I Reggie I know
1: who will always be with you he is with me every single day I yep. miss him so much but I think talking about um learning about loss I would say that that this is the first time I've really experienced I don't want to cry already yeah. but experience <laughs> soon yeah <laughs> I'll cry soon we'll be crying soon yeah <laughs> um it's the first time I've experienced a loss as deep I would yes. say and I it's understand. it's not going away it's no. it's so hard to explain it's um
0: it, it's I, I'm going to say something so Honest that might shock some people, but you know, I have had dogs all my life, and there are some that are more special that affect your heart more deeply than others. Um, and I had my father passed away a while ago, and my mother passed away about 15 20 years ago, I guess now. And very soon after, my beautiful dog, Maisie, who was a rescue dog from Battersea, who had been through so much with me when I started my business. Um, She was with me when my father was poorly. She was with me when I got married. She was with me when I got divorced. She was with me when my mother died. And when Maisie died, it was probably one of the worst moments of my life. And it hurt me more than when my mother passed away. And there's two reasons for that before anyone thinks, oh my God, <laughs> you're talking to this crazy person. But, you know, our dogs are with us 24-7. Mm-hmm. We spend more time with our animals than we do with probably anyone else, our parents, our children, our husbands, partners, whatever. Um, but my mother, the when I saw her, the day she died, she said something so profound to me that um, she knew that I was happy and she felt that she could leave me and that she was going to see my father that evening. And that made it e- easier yeah. in a way um, because I just thought, you know what, well, that's great. You know, my mom's never been the same since my father passed away and she's going to be with my dad. Great, that's what she believes. And then when Maisie passed away, it was like this emptiness, this hole that you have in your life that cannot be filled. Yeah. And But I think I sent a message to you when I knew that Reggie had passed away is that for all that pain, because there will be some of you who know how that feels and for others who don't really understand... You know, there's nothing in my being that would never have not had a Maisie in my life or Reggie in your life. For all the pain you feel, it's worth every moment of that because for every other second of every day, the joy they bring is immeasurable.
1: The joy and also just how they even you out a little bit, you know, they calm you. And I really felt that when I lost Reggie, you know, speaking about going through all of those things and the dog was by your side, the dog was by your side... When I lost Reggie, I felt like I was reliving all those hard moments again. It was like it was like losing a million things at once. Yeah, and it and it sort of is. Yeah, and and in a way, I
0: found it sort of got harder for a while. Yeah, because you lose that almost the the sense of their the way they feel and they, the way they smell. Yes. Um, and when you lose that, you know, you can hold on to their bed or their coat or there's something yeah. that, that makes them not being with you tangible. Um, and again, I, I mean, I can share something else with you, being so honest. You know, I have Maisie's ashes under my pillow. I know. have
1: Reggie's ashes. and I don't know what to do with them. I can't bear myself to get rid of them. No.
0: Well, I always thought... So I have my I have three dogs. (laughs) I have crazy person here. I have Maisie, Rose and Reuben's ashes under my pillow. And people say, well, you should spread them on Hampstead Heath or on the beach. But actually, Maisie, Reuben, and Rose hated being in the cold. And I can't bear the thought of them being trampled over by thousands of people in the mud. So they're where they always loved being, which would be in bed with me. Oh, sleeping it's so hard
1: not for me to cry right now. So I know. They're the best. And but you the know, best. I always said I would never get another dog. As when Reggie passed, I said I can never do this again. I will never love another dog like I loved him.
0: And Bet do you love will. him.
1: But I've also come to the realization that I can't live without a dog. Yes. I hard. truly can't. It's hard. So, of course, you already know that I'm going to be adopting another little furry friend. I do, yes. <laughs> Don't I know do. who yet.
0: <laughs>
1: but, but there will be
0: one so fabulous one. and so lucky to have a life with you. Oh,
1: they're the, they're the best. Um, okay, so I guess, you know, you obviously love flowers, you love dogs. At what point did you decide to turn this passion and this love into something as big as as creating a foundation and a flower shop. Well, and, and were they always combined? Or did you start one before the other?
0: No, well, I started my flower business um, quite a long time ago. It's over 20 years ago. And we started with just the one shop on Westbourne Grove. And we then um, started working in events and contracts. And I had an incredible team. I mean, I think that, you know, our success anyone's success is measured by the people that we have working with us and and I've again been incredibly lucky to have the most incredible team of people who work with us at Wild at Heart and as the business grew and we had went from one shop to two to three and our events business grew and we had a particularly um, wonderful event several 4 or 5 years ago and I it was at that point that I decided that I wanted and I could start to give something back. Mm-hmm. You know, I've always rescued dogs and I was bringing some dogs over from some friends who went to live in Las and I was just bringing over the older dog and I went out to meet a shelter in Spain and I was helping them bring dogs over but it was just a sort of you know just a A couple of dogs Mm -hmm. every now and again Um, and I then decided that when my dog rose from Puerto Rico so I went to Puerto Rico about 15 or so years ago and the situation in Puerto Rico was pretty terrible and whenever I went on holiday and it's sort of why I actually stopped going on holiday um, that I would spend all my time rescuing dogs. And so, and taking them to the vet and trying to find them a home. Anyway, in Puerto Rico, I found these two puppies on the side of a motorway and I took them to the vet. And someone said that they would try and find them a home. But of course, nobody wants a dog in Puerto Rico that doesn't look like a sort of muscle dog that has a purpose. And they were just street dogs. And of course, nobody wanted them. So I flew them from San Juan to L.A. and from L.A., to Paris, and I smuggled them in through the Channel Tunnel. I can say that now because it was a long time ago. <laughs> um, and when Lily sadly passed away, she had leukemia, um, but Rose lived for another sort of 13, 14 years. Wow. And I'd always had dogs from Battersea, so I had my beautiful Ridgeback Cross, Reuben, and from Battersea, and I had Rose from Puerto Rico. And when Rose passed away, I promised her that I would get another dog from abroad. Mm. And when you start to look at rescue dogs from abroad, it is literally unleashing the gates of hell Mm -hmm. for someone like you or I. Yes. And you cannot unsee the things you see. A life of a dog in most parts of our world is not a joyous, kind, yes. happy life. So I decided at that point that I wanted to do something more. And my business was doing well and working very hard. And And I just thought it would be good to be able to do something good and positive. So I decided that a percentage of the profits from Wild at Heart would be used to set up the Wild at Heart Foundation. And when I thought about what I wanted to do, I I mean, it was, I didn't want to just be rehoming dogs Mm -hmm. because there's a bigger problem there. And I didn't want to be this sort of girl from West London who can just bring over a few dogs and, you know, that's nice and they're rehomed. we have 600 million plus stray dogs in our world, um, most of which are not treated humanely. Mm Or justly and the only way that we can make that improve or make these dogs lives better um, is through sterilization big sterilization global clinics and through education mm-hmm. so when we set up the foundation the main principles and the main goals were to run these clinics globally to educate if we educate one child we reach eight adults and then the icing on the cake and is the rehoming where we bring dogs over from countries i mean all over the world you know as far as azerbaijan puerto rico we have dogs coming over from south africa we have dogs coming from thailand um
1: bahrain lebanon yes. kuwait as well as most of europe so so let's go back to the word sterilization for those yes. people listening. What does that actually mean? Well, um,
0: in most countries, dogs are not sterilized. So a female dog will come into season at least two to three times a year, sometimes more, depending on the number of litters that she is able to have. Um, and from that litter, a dog on the street, having a litter of say an average of eight puppies, within six years there will be sixty-seven thousand more dogs on the streets. So if we can sterilise our dogs, both male and female, mm-hmm. um, there will be less dogs born into, you know, a life of. Harsh poverty, if you like, on the streets right. with disease and famine. There's no food, they're all scratching for food. And of course, the more dogs on the street, the more puppies will be born. So, if we can control that, then basically by having less dogs in our world, there'll be less dogs that are treated unkindly and unjustly. So, right. that's the most important thing that we feel we can do. And working with bigger charities like the Humane Society who have incredible projects all over the world, they're sterilizing dogs. So our project in Puerto Rico, for example, we've had just finished our eighth clinic where we've sterilized three and a half thousand dogs in just six days. Wow! You know, that's going to stop millions of dogs being born.
1: So after the, so, okay, say you're in, um, I don't know where you, Puerto Rico, for instance. Yeah. You set up a clinic. Mm-hmm. And how do you find the dogs that are going to come in for this operation?
0: There are two, two ways. Mostly in Puerto Rico, we have the clinic is for owned pets. Mm-hmm. Because an owned dog in Puerto Rico is very different. An owned dog in most countries is very different from an owned dog here and in certain parts of Europe. So an owned dog in Puerto Rico is left to roam. It might be chained up all day. It'll be let off at night. It's certainly not castrated or sterilized, so it will go out. If you have a male dog, it'll go out and find a female dog. If you have a female dog that's in season, it can have many partners in its one one season. Um, I mean, I've had a couple
1: seasons like that. Yeah, it's <laughs> like, I, I can't keep track kidding
0: but (laughs) uh so um we should come to our next clinic um so 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 we start with own dogs and and that way we can also educate so what's been so incredible is that our last clinic in Puerto Rico people start queuing at seven eight o'clock at night because we can only sterilize five six hundred dogs a day
1: five or six hundred dogs a day yes how long does it
0: take uh, we have a team of forty incredible vets who work solidly all day, every day, twelve-hour days. Wow! I and mean, it's quite—it's quite a—it's quite, quite a sight. I mean, it's literally the most extraordinary thing I think I've ever been, had the privilege to be involved in with wow. these wonderful women from a, 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 a the vets from a, a Vidas, uh, American-based vets, I see. and it's run with the Humane Society. And it's educating people as well. But yeah. we also run a trap, neuter, and release scheme. So between the main clinics, we have volunteers that will go out and trap street dogs. We neuter them. We keep them for a day and an evening. Mm-hmm. And then they're put back into their where they live. Because there are a lot of feeding routes in, for example, in Puerto Rico. There are a lot of incredible volunteers and local people. because half a million stray dogs in Puerto Rico. Wow. Wow um so essentially there are two ways of of working with our clinics Mm -hmm. and again i think the idea behind the foundation which is hopefully different from other charities is that you know we recognize that change has to come from within so we are not going to and neither have we the funds to go over to puerto rico or to borneo or to cape town or to wherever we're working and set up a shelter that would cost too much money, it would be difficult to run, and it would really obviously be quite a nightmare to be running shelters yes, all over the yes. world. So if we partner with like-minded charities that need funds and awareness, mm-hmm. we can achieve so much more. So that's really I the see. sort of, the, the concept behind the foundation. We raise awareness, we raise funds in the same way that we've working in lebanon you know we have just had an amazing trip out to lebanon where we're working with two or three partner shelters and the levels of cruelty in lebanon i don't think we've seen anywhere else actually um and so we're we're actually helping two or three shelters to extend their their shelters so they can take in more dogs and then we're raising funds to have clinics for sterilization so that we can bring dogs in and sterilize them. So, And, and in countries sort of working again in, with amazing people, this wonderful girl, Sandy Tom, who has a shelter called Bark in Bahrain. You know, there's a burgeoning problem in the Middle East. The Middle East never used to have dogs. Mm. But now they do because of a status symbol. And then they don't want them after a while, so they'll just dump them in the desert and then they breed. So there's about 40,000 stray dogs in Bahrain. If we start now with a sterilization program, we can control that, and it won't become as it has, say, in somewhere like Puerto Rico, right. where through lack of education, and also it's a poor country, that you know people can't afford to have their dogs sterilized. Yeah, of course. So
1: Are most cases of cruelty... Due to poverty and not having the ability to to take care of animals, or what what's your opinion on that? I think it's
0: I think it, it stems it? from a number of things. Mm-hmm. I think in countries like Puerto Rico, for example, I don't think there are abject levels of cu- cruelty. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's a lack of education. Right. It's a lack of knowledge. It's it, it's not knowing that you need to sterilize your dog. And also it's possibly not having the money to do so. Whereas there are certain countries, clearly the Middle East is not kind to animals. I think you can, you can link countries where there are less than no human rights to where there are less, even less animal rights. I see. So I think that you know, certainly Lebanon, the, the abject levels of cruelty there where dogs are used as target practice, they're tied up. They're used as target practice. They're deliberately run over. They're dumped, abandoned, beaten, okay, poisoned.
1: Yeah, so I'm sorry. you're even saying that and I'm getting choked up. I can hardly think about it. So how does someone like you, obviously the ultimate dog and animal lover, witness it and go there and not just completely break down into a big pile of mush?
0: I do that when I get home. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that... It, it. I mean, I. I cry so easily. I mean. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I. think the difference is. That while I'm there, and because we're doing something about it, we can get through it. Right. It's when I leave mm-hmm. and I get on a plane. Yeah. Like when I leave Puerto Rico, and I, I. There's a. We get bought boxes of puppies, and you know we we put them into care and then we take them to our partner shelter in New York or we see dogs run over in front of us and we stop and pick them up that's when I get upset because then I think who's doing that who is well I'm there it's all good and you know I have seen things that you know and I have seen dogs in pretty terrible state and people being particularly unkind but whilst you're there you can actually do something about it and I think that you know as a foundation again we have the most incredible team of girls who are so passionate and so dedicated that we're all working so hard every single day to make a difference yeah and I think that does help you deal with yeah knowing what is going on in our world because we are trying to do something and You know, for me, anything in my life, it's like in my business at Wild at Heart with flowers, it's never enough. Mm -hmm. You know, we'll do an event and I will always say, How could we have done that better? And we'll save rescue or we'll sterilize three and a half thousand dogs. And at the end, I'll say, Well, how can we sterilize four thousand dogs next Mm -hmm. time? And I think as long as we keep pushing and keep trying and keep talking and keep raising awareness and asking people to adopt a dog rather than to go and buy from a puppy mill or from a breeder then you're saving lives and as people always remind me Nick if you just save one dog you've saved one life and Mm -hmm. that's better than nothing but obviously I want to save millions of Of lives of course of course.
1: well I do want to talk about um, adopt don't shop and that whole thing which is obviously something I'm very very passionate about too Um, I, of course, try to hold no judgment if somebody wants to get a dog from a breeder, but it's personally not something I would ever do or, or endorse. Um, but I just want to talk a little bit about how, how that it does make a difference to adopt because I think a lot of people who I've spoken to about it just in my personal life say, well, those dogs have already been born. So of course I'm, you know, what's the difference if I get it from a breeder, if I adopt one, those, both of those dogs are alive. Yes. And that's an argument I hear a lot. Um, What do you have to say?
0: Well, if we stop buying from breeders, they'll stop breeding. Mm -hmm. And whilst there are so many dogs in need of homes globally, and so many dogs being euthanized in shelters, I mean, here in the UK, thanks to extraordinary charities like Battersea and the Dogs Trust and the Blue Cross and the PDSA and the RSPCA, you know, we euthanize maybe 20,000, 30,000 dogs a year. We have 50,000 stray dogs on our streets. So we, we have our, that all in check. Um, but I think that, you know, whilst people are breeding and whilst people, there are so many puppy mills that dogs are being brought over, from Eastern Europe and from Ireland and Wales, which is where I gather most of the puppy mills are, where there's bigger space for them. People don't know they're there. You know, if we keep buying, they'll keep breeding. Yes. If we stop buying, there's no market for it. Mm -hmm. Whereas there's always a rescue dog. There's always a dog that needs a home, whether it's from here or another country. And just to talk about a dog from another country i mean people have said to me so why are we not helping dogs in the uk yes that's well, a question i got a lot when right yeah. well we do help dogs in the uk we if people can come to us as a charity and if they have a dog that they actually don't want and they want to rehome it we will help with the rehoming And we work with several charities here. We work with an amazing charity in the UK called Dots, which is dogs on the streets, which is dogs with the homeless. Um, But of course, we'll help dogs here. But there are so many support systems in this country. So there are no support systems in countries like Bulgaria or Bosnia or Romania or Spain, particularly. Yeah, I've been reading a lot about...
1: Um, you know, the animal
0: issues in, in Spain? Yes, there, there's a lot of issues in Spain. I mean, I was sent a, a little movie the other day about dogs in France. I mm. mean, hard to believe, but 100,000 dogs are dumped in France every year. Wow. 100,000. Wow. They're just dumped, side of roads, taken into forests, tied up in, in trees and left. And this, this is in France, you know, where we think mm-hmm. it's people should be kinder to their animals, but you know, we have so many support systems here for dogs that are in need. Whereas if you find a dog on a street with a broken leg in Puerto Rico or Bulgaria or Romania, yeah. you have nowhere to take it. Of course.
1: Um, I I guess, you know, the education then, it makes sense as to why that's so important. So important. And from a young age. And from a young age, yes. So we hopefully are fortunate enough to be about
0: to start an education program for the next two years where we will be trying to have a compassionate program on the curriculum Mm -hmm. by taking an education ambassador into schools. And this isn't about going, taking a dog into an assembly to pat pat a (laughs) dog because, yeah, that's that's great. You know, it's all very well. But we really need to teach children. I mean, we need to teach our generation how to take care of our planet. And, you know, there's a whole bigger conversation and picture there. But, you know, to teach our children about compassion and kindness and... I think that's so incredibly important.
1: You know, I, I remember once walking my dog Reggie and this group of school children saw me walking him and they just started screaming and they were like, oh my God, he's so disgusting. Get that creature away from me. Oh. And it was so surprising to me because obviously when I was a kid, I was like, oh my gosh, a yes, dog. Yes, a dog. <laughs> a dog. Yay. And it really made me realize that, you know, in lots of cultures and lots of, you know, different families around, not just in the UK, around the world, obviously, um, It's just, it's not something... Compassion really isn't um, maybe a a topic of conversation when it comes to animals.
0: I don't think so. I think, I mean, is compassion a topic of conversation when it comes to people? Mm. I mean, you know, we we know it was Wild Kindness Day yesterday or the day before. And, you know, it takes nothing to be kind to an animal or a person. And, you know, I was walking through Oxford Street the other day and... There was a woman sitting with her sweet little dog on the street. It was freezing cold. People just walked by her. Mm -hmm. She's a person with feelings. And I stopped. I said hello. And I was with a friend and we got her something to eat. I actually gave her my phone number because her dog wasn't sterilized. And I offered to have her dog sterilized for her. Um, But it's just that... You know, we're all, again, it comes back to that thing that we're all so busy and we've got our heads and our phones or our devices and our work and all of those things that we don't take time to think about other people and to be kind and even to smile. And, you know, I don't know, just people in, there, someone said to me, you can always measure someone how they treat people in restaurants. <laughs> yes. And I always try and be so kind and say thank you to people in a restaurant. And whether you put your supermarket trolley back in its place. Simple things. Simple things, because I always put my supermarket trolley back, <laughs> back where it's meant to. I wouldn't dream of leaving it for someone else to put it back in its wherever it needs to be. But it's, it's just things like that that I think we lose sight of every day, of just smiling at someone, treating people people, whoever they are, like you care. Mm. And that's so important. And, and it really has a knock on day. effect. Doesn't I think it? so. I mean, that
1: movie, Pay It Forward, one of my yes. faves. Yeah. Um, it, it's true. I And I think, and my mom always, she's really big on this. And um, it's, Actually brings you the person a lot of joy to be nice to someone else it's, you know it's much easier to be nice than it is it to really be is.
0: unkind it really
1: really is it takes a
0: lot less energy, I think to smile at someone and to be kind to someone and to say thank you, I think yeah you know, and maybe like you and your you're amazing. Your mother sounds amazing. Yeah. My mom is awesome. <laughs> yeah, I, your mom sounds amazing. And you know, my, my father always told me that you should treat people how you wanted to be treated. And, you know, there are certain things that, that stay with you yeah. and I'm sure I don't do it as much as I should, or I could, but I'd like to think I do try. Yes. And, um, and I, and I, I think like I say just even a smile acknowledging someone's existence.
1: Mm-hmm. Is it really important. Is, it's a me 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 culture and I really I see it so much just just this this way of thinking which is you know I don't owe you anything, you know, yeah. and and all of that stuff and I mean I always love to meet people who can't benefit from from anything from you, but they're still lovely and kind. And I see that yeah. all the time. I see it every single day. Just like you said, just a smile. Just a smile. But getting back on topic, if someone's listening and thinks, I really want to adopt a dog, yeah. like me, yes, how do I get one from you?
0: Well, uh, on our website, Wild at Heart Foundation. And also, uh, you can see our dogs on our Instagram page, also at Wild at Heart Foundation.
1: I love... Um Oh, what's what's the little dog's name? He only has one
0: eye. Sparrow. Yes. Oh my god, Sparrow. so cute. Oh my god. So cute. And and again, this is what I think we should we can learn so much from these animals that have had some truly horrific things. I mean, I don't know you you have come across Maggie, our wonder yes, dog, of, of course. course. So poor Maggie was actually had her eyes shot and her ear cut off, and Maggie has become a sort of a household. Thank goodness, she's like a sort of sensation. But she is truly, when you meet her, the most loving and extraordinary dog. And she has an amazing owner, Kirsty. Uh, so go follow Kirsty and and her amazing dog, Maggie, the Wonder Dog, on Instagram um because she's she is spreading so much love and joy. She goes to universities, she yeah. works as a therapy she dog. She's on TV. She's on TV. She comes to all our events and she is the gl- a glowing example of a rescue dog. Mm-hmm. But um we have so many dogs that are in need of homes so many incredible dogs some with three legs some with four legs some with two eyes some with one eyes but you know puppies dogs of all ages older dogs um all of our dogs mostly come obviously from um all over the world um and they are the most extraordinary creatures they are so grateful and so loving and Mm -hmm. and my other thing about a rescue dog is in in a world where we all strive to be different, why do we all want the same dog? <laughs> yeah. Why do we all want a cockapoo or a poo or, a, multi-poo, or yeah. a I don't know whatever whatever the dog it is. Of choice is? You know, isn't it great to have a dog that looks different and has its own character mm-hmm. and has its own way of being, and that you're never going to see another dog quite like Reggie? Yeah, you'll okay. never see another Reggie, and I'll never see another Maisie or Reuben. But you know, it's like I think it's so nice. We all strive to be different in the way we look and the clothes we wear. Yeah. Yet yeah, we all want the same dog. So, um, and it's 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 a great process to adopt a dog from the foundation. We try and make it as easy as possible for you. We have an incredible team that will make sure that you have the right dog for you, because it's so important that our dogs go to the right homes because they have that chance. And we need to make sure when they get that chance of a right home, it's the right home for them. It's their forever home. It's their forever home. And we help all the way through. And we have the amazing behaviorists that work with us 24-7. And we will always take responsibility for that dog. So if for any reason it didn't work out, we will make sure that that dog will always have a home. So we take responsibility throughout that dog's life.
1: I I think a lot of people have a big misconception that adopting a dog, and of course, you know, it comes with its ups and downs, especially in the beginning, but a lot of people always say to me, I could never adopt a dog because number one, I have children or Mm -hmm. I have another pet or, you know, I, I just couldn't deal with the behavioral issues. Is it really as scary as people think to adopt a dog?
0: Well, I mean, I'm going to say absolutely categorically no, because it's all I've ever done in my life is adopt dogs. I mean, I have six big rescue dogs. Um, And of course it's not scary. It's no scarier than getting a dog. I mean, I went on a, a This Morning program with an influencer who was advocating buying a dog and I was there to say you know of course not let's rescue and save a life and her argument was that well you know what you're getting when you buy a dog um, and that when you have a rescue dog there's that air of something that's damaged which I cannot make sense of in my head whatsoever Mm -hmm. because when you buy a dog you still don't know what you're getting Absolutely. And when these dogs are particularly coming from a place where you actually, whether it's a puppy mill or you don't actually know where they're coming from, the health issues and so on are can be extraordinary. Rescue dogs are particularly healthy, generally, I find. No problem with any of my dogs. But, you know, it's like anything in life. You know, it's only as scary as you allow it to be. Mm-hmm. And when you meet someone you don't know what you're getting into <laughs> but in, in any relationship with a dog or a person or at work or you know all of these things can be slightly scary of course getting a dog could be slightly scary but it's no more scary than getting a pedigree dog or a rescue dog mm-hmm. in my opinion there's no difference rescue dogs should not come with a label damaged because they have more love to give than anything that I have ever experienced in my life
1: especially when you think about where has the so-called damage come from it's other humans people us (laughs) you you know so really it's I, I really look at it as a responsibility to adopt to adopt animals and I just want to say the process of watching my Reggie come out of his shell it yes. was so beautiful. I mean, yeah. the first day we got him, obviously, he was very nervous. First week, he was very nervous. It took him a long time, but when he finally just let go, and began to trust, there's yeah. no feeling like that, really. There isn't. And how are dogs so resilient to be be able to love so deeply? You know, I love a, know. It, It's really, you know, it's really astounding, especially some of those dogs who have been through very traumatic experiences. Yeah, they're still trying to love they still try and love but I think in a way it's like anything
0: in our lives I mean we we function so much better when we're safe and we have routine and we're loved Mm -hmm. and I don't think it's any different for a child or an animal that you know if we if we treat our dogs in the same way that we treat our children with and our our friends and our people in our lives that you know with respect and love and honesty and truth and care and routine and all of those things that make us function so much better all of the dogs that we've brought from Lebanon actually who have had a particularly abusive sort of moment in their lives there isn't an exception that that they are the most loving and extraordinary dogs I mean, I have have six dogs. All of my dogs came from, you know, I I have a motley crew of dogs that basically are huge and I always take the ones that no one else wanted. And, you know, they are extraordinary and they've all been abused. Smith, my uh, sort of Belgian shepherd cross, he'd been so badly beaten and then left in a cage for three years. And yet... He is the most loving dog. I mean, he follows me everywhere. He doesn't really like being left on his own. But, you know, they, they get over so much trauma mm-hmm. and have so much to give. Yeah. And, yeah, all of my dogs have had their moments. You know, my little, my beautiful Rita from Puerto Rico, when I went there the first time to start our projects, someone said, here, I have a gift for you. <laughs> And it was this seven-day-old puppy that oh. had been dumped on the highway. And I called her Rita, because of Puerto Rita, Puerto Rita. And uh, she literally slept around my neck. Oh. And she came everywhere with me when we were out rescuing dogs. You know, I was I had a hotel room, a suite, um, with this lovely friend, Aidan O'Neill, who's a most extraordinary photographer who comes with us on our trips. And... He and I had 30 pit bulls in our hotel suite wow. and uh, that we had collected that day that were then going into foster and care before we could take them off the island. But, you know, it was just the most extraordinary experience. And pit bulls, you know, I'd never spent any time around them. And they are the most extraordinary dogs. Yes, They get the worst rep, I know. but they are the most loyal and strong. Stoic of animals, and I've, I've
1: spent some time recently with a pit bull, and I, I, I won't lie. At first, I was a bit like, "Oh my gosh, that's a yeah. pit bull," and I'm, a, I love all dogs, but the, it, it melted away instantly. All of that—they're incredible, yeah.
0: Absolutely. And we, th- we have a lot of them that come into the clinics, and. It's actually, it's the chihuahuas that are the worst. <laughs> <There's so laughs> the little funny. ones that are so nippy. But the pit bulls are the, I mean, they they are the oh. most extraordinary dogs. Yeah.
1: Do you accept volunteers? Can people come help you out? Or? Of
0: course, yes. We take, so we're building up our program of projects mm-hmm. and the shelters that we work with. So we're working with shelters throughout Europe. So in Portugal and bosnia bulgaria romania so we'll take volunteers out to the shelters Uh, also greece and lesbos we've got two amazing partner shelters there we've taken volunteers out to puerto rico Uh, we've taken volunteers out to cape town when we worked in the biggest township we worked in kalisha Mm -hmm. with again an extraordinary charity where they take dogs from the townships and sterilize them And they give the owners back a dog house. So they have Mm -hmm. something to be proud of. And we employ two members, two people from the township to make the dog houses for the dogs. And I spent probably one of the most extraordinary days of my life in Kalisha and this township, which has a population of maybe four to five million people. Nobody really knows. And everyone was so kind to us because we were there to help their animals. so yeah so we take volunteers we have a again if you go onto our website you can fill in the appropriate form and we take volunteers to our shelters to our projects um and in may april may we're going back out to lesbos to rebuild the shelter that we work with We're going back to Lebanon in January and probably every three months to help rebuild the shelters there. How big is your
1: team? How do you do all this plus run an incredibly successful (laughs) flower shop and business?
0: Well, this comes back to me being very lucky with the team I have in both my business and at the foundation. I mean, there's five of us at the foundation. So Olivia heads up our head of adoption uh, with Sammy and Megan and sammy helps with projects and then eleanor runs our marketing and fundraising and collaborations and and all our social media and then we have incredible hannah who also works on our events to raise our to raise funds yeah so and eleanor does our incredible work with our campaigns to raise funds but you know we work with a lot of other and people are so kind You know, sort of Maggie works with us and Kirsty to raise funds for Lebanon. And Emily Hunt has also been working with us to raise funds for Lebanon because she looked after and fostered Bella for a while. So we're very lucky that we have a huge amount of kindness that comes to us. So we can, with that kindness, we can harness it to do more.
1: Yeah, I think sometimes it's easy to focus on all the negatives and all the really sad things, but there are also an equal amount of, if not more, of you know, people who want to do great things, especially for there, animals.
0: There are. There are some incredible people.
1: Um, last question, I think. No, I have two questions. Two okay. more questions. <laughs> How much does it cost to adopt a dog? Uh,
0: from Europe, I think it's for between 350 to 450 pounds mm-hmm. depending where it comes from yep. mainland or an island uh-huh. and that cost covers the transport the veterinary costs microchipping and uh, vaccinations. Wow. So that's exactly what it costs us to bring a dog over. Um, if we're bringing a dog from Lebanon, I think I believe it's about seven hundred and fifty pounds. Thailand is about six hundred pounds. So right. it depends where it comes from.
1: Okay. And can people donate on your website if they if they can't adopt a dog but want to support? Can they donate to your website? They
0: certainly can. They can go to website or online um, and. Just press a button and donate. We make it very easy for you.
1: Or I suppose they say, could choose your flowers because ten percent.
0: Yes, ten percent of our profits from the from Wild at Heart go to the foundation. And my last so. real
1: question is, how and who comes up with all the names for the dogs? Well, we have.
0: We <laughs> said, well, we run competitions for okay. people to name dogs. So we had a. Box of puppies left at put in our last clinic in Puerto Rico, and it was left in like a sort of box of uh, that had chocolates in it. So we got great names like Rolo and Twix, and we 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 ran a competition. Mm-hmm. But sometimes we have um, our litters. We name them by letters of the alphabet so that we then actually know where they all are. Of course, but um, we run competitions, and the shelters themselves name some of the dogs and. Some, I mean, a lot of the dogs keep their names, but I think because we had a litter that was named by the days of the week, okay. (laughs) And I think apart from Tuesday, they've all had their names changed. But I think it's quite a nice name thing to do when you get your dog. You, you want you name the dog, you name your dog, yes, yeah.
1: I don't know what, what else to say. I guess we could lastly talk about the ambassadors who yes. support your foundation. I know you have a huge lineup, including my friend Jasmine Hemsley. Yes. And um, other people who support, who support Wild at Heart. What, what role do, what, what do your ambassadors do?
0: Well, we have been very fortunate to have an incredible uh, lineup of ambassadors for the foundation. Am I allowed to say including you?
1: I think so. (laughs)
0: Including my very, very beautiful Estée here who's agreed. Are you guys hearing
1: this? So honored. (laughs) So
0: we have asked Estée to be an ambassador for Wild at Heart Foundation.
1: I'm going to cry again. So,
0: And we are so honored and so proud that she has said yes.
1: I didn't even have to think about it. And um, for those listening who have been watching my journey for a long time, you'll actually remember that Reggie and I did our very own Wild at Heart Foundation sweater. So I have really loved and supported everything that you've been doing for so long. And I, I couldn't be more excited. And I couldn't be more excited to first-hand experience adopting a dog through you.
0: I know. We're going to find you the most beautiful dog. And maybe we should do another little sweatshirt. I know. That would be great. We should. We, we should. should. That's, that's. But I something. love all of your
1: existing ones.
0: We're, they're, they're good. And they're made by, again, a great friend of mine, yeah. Aidan, who has a company called Black Score. And, you know, we have our Be Kind sweatshirt. And yes. I Believe in Dog and... Um, We've got a Christmas range coming out, and of course we've got our Maggie Love Is Blind yes. T-shirts and sweatshirts, which are literally are selling all over the world because she has a, a huge following in um, in America, weirdly enough. But um, she's famous. She's famous. But j- just going back to our program of ambassadors, we we have wanted to I wanted to recognize people who have been very kind to us over the last few years since the charity was born and it's Jasmine has three incredible rescue dogs and is always always been so incredibly supportive of us did
1: you see the picture she posted this morning i did yes oh, her dogs i mean that's my idea sun. of heaven <gasps> me too I, I couldn't i couldn't literally
0: believe it. it just i mean what a way to start your day yeah. you know beautiful sky with your three dogs oh, two my from gosh. two of her dogs she rescued from india oh, I know. and i think with our ambassadors what we'd like to do because time is so precious to people so it's it's not about time but it's it's what anyone can give in raising awareness or just whether it's adopting a dog or raising awareness or encouraging people to know about us Mm -hmm. or to help us with an event or it it can be a number of things um it's just such a program a lovely sort of way of saying thank you to people like David Gandhi for example who has been so supportive of the foundation.
1: David loves dogs.
0: He loves dogs and he has his lovely dog Dora from Battersea. Um, so David we've asked and has also kindly accepted Charlene Spateri. We have Fiona Leahy who as you know is a great, she has two of her amazing wonderful rescue dogs. Um, we have um, Meg Matthews who is Obviously, going to be helping us as too with our dogs, Emily Hunt and Maggie is our great ambassador. So we we've got some very very wonderful, incredible people that are going to help us and yes. help us make our world a much better place. And thank you.
1: Well, thank you so much, Nikki, and thank you for coming on my podcast. It has it's my been joy. Like so nice, thank and So you. lovely, and you just got off a flight as well, so. Yes. You must be exhausted and you want to get wow. home to your six dogs.
0: Well, no, I could stay here for hours <laughs> talking to you about dogs. So, you know. But thank you. thank you so much for having me. It's thank been you. an absolute joy. And, and let's
1: just do one so. reminder of, of where people can follow you. On Instagram? On
0: Instagram, Wild at Heart Foundation Instagram. And obviously, if you want to donate or to get involved in any way, volunteering and helping with our projects, then just go to our website.